Good afternoon. Welcome to the Designers Institute of New Zealand Student Podcast. We're here with Oliver McDermott, founding partner of Blender, an Auckland industrial design company started in 2006. So yeah, firstly, how did you get into design? Great question. I was always like pretty pretty curious and like hands-on um, making stuff at home with, with my dad and I was into art at school. And when I was at secondary school, I sort of really into like graphics, graphic design. I did art, I did physics and stuff, and I was tossing up between being an architect or an engineer. And then I actually met Bruce Woods, who came to our school. He's talking about this new degree opening up at Massey in Albany, which was industrial design, and they also had marine transport design. And I sort of was pretty keen on that, and I didn't really look back because it was like the perfect combination of art and engineering. So whereabouts do you find inspiration for your designs? Do you find a lot of it outside in the world or in your daily life? Or do you feel like you have to go and research a lot of design inspiration? Like kind of what's your route that you take with that? I think naturally as a designer, you, you find inspiration through just your, your own experiences in, in life. And, but when it comes to a particular project, uh, you have to put yourself in, the, in another pair of shoes and do your own research specifically but I think naturally yeah just find inspiration in the, in the world around you and I, I do spend a lot of time outdoors and in nature and that definitely inspires you know, some some of my design work also spend a bit of time in factories and you know always looking at what design trends are coming through so I'd say it's, it's a bit of everything really. Do you feel like it takes you a long time or do you feel like it takes a lot of effort to go and find all that inspiration just extract those kind of thoughts from your everyday life and the observations that you're doing yeah that's a tricky tricky question i think that sometimes it, it comes a lot more easily than, than other times and, and i'd say that if it's a like a really new project or a really new field that i haven't really worked in before it probably takes a bit longer to get yourself in that space and that headspace and really figure out where this product for example or this project fits in a market Something that happens quite a lot for us as students, I think, is like the university gives us our more formalized set of methods for ideating. We'll try and carry out those, be stumped for ideas, and then we'll like give up, go for a bike ride, and then you'll you'll see something just out of nature and that'll spark the idea. So it's I think from what I've experienced, it's like finding the balance of following the process and then just looking out for random little things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you've got to, you've got to let like ideas gestate and sort of take time with a with a clear head. You often have such like really good ideas or inspiration like comes to mind late at night or when you're in the shower. It's like random moments like that. <laughs> That's the main one. The shower. <laughs> yeah, just when you're you're sort of in more of a relaxed kind of state. Mm. So it's a good point, right? What change would you like to see in the design industry, if any? Since you're so experienced and what change would I like to see in the design industry? It's a that's a tough question. Like, is there a design industry? Because we kind of serve as product designers, we serve a whole lot of other industries. But I guess in the design profession, I would say that it would be great to see a lot more like change towards our approach to be create more sustainable products, more circular products, and also like elevate ourselves as designers to be more thought leaders and more strategic thinkers than, than just doers. I think we can have such a big impact at the strategic level in a business because design's not just a, you know, it's, it's not just a discipline of execution, right? We, we don't just draw stuff and make stuff. We think about stuff and we, we think in a particular way to create a particular outcome. So therefore that, that way of thinking can have such a profound impact if, if we can 
position ourselves in, in the right places and in, in business and in society. So yeah, I think design as a whole, it's, it would be great to see us transition more from industrial designers that just doing stuff to more thinking and um, driving strategy. Yeah, I think there's like such a stereotype too. If, if like people think you're a designer, you're just like doing more like just aesthetic, and you're not actually trying to like figure out how it works and or like the actual manufacturing behind it. So like that's like such a big thing at the moment. I think. Yeah, I really like the point you had about the executing. We're not just executors. Mm. Like that seems something that's been carried over from like the industrial area. It's like, oh, we have this problem. How do we do it? Bang, bang, bang. And like that, but more so, why do we do that? Some higher, I guess, deeper questions and going, okay, well, we've got this, we've got this problem and here's this, a, a solution, but then why do we even have this problem in the first place, right? And you have other things to factor in, like you mentioned about sustainability. So what I'm wondering is um, when you are consulting with someone, do you ever find with a business that comes in and says, here's this thing we're going to design, do you ever find that you have to mix your views and how you want to like design it sustainable, but with them being like, we want this new thing to look really shiny and really pretty yeah it's always a challenge and like we constantly find ourselves in a bit of a conundrum right because we're here to help and support the manufacturing industry who they make things and the more things they sell the better it is for their business but we kind of want to challenge that business model almost and say actually what you really do is you provide a solution to a group of customers and the output might not be you know, sell as many products as you can. The, the solution may not even be a product. And so it's, it's a bit of a conundrum where we try and I guess, influence them to change their way of thinking and even change the way they, they do business. Do you find that that's quite like confronting for some people? Yeah, we have to really manage personalities and yeah. you've got to find the right people in the organization as well who, who get it and or who care about design or who care about the environment. And you really have to hone in on, on building a like relationship with them because they're, they're going to be the champion that sees it through. Yeah. But it is, it is hard, right? It's, a, it's a definitely a moral conundrum we're battling with, not just the personalities and the people and, and the business models, but just the, the entire linear economy that we live in. It's, it's difficult because we want to do the right thing by the planet and, and society, but we're in an economy where it might be, <laughs> I guess, environmental degradation is, is kind of, like coupled with economic progress and so it's it's a challenge that we're fighting for yeah can you can you tell us more about when you have a business come to you and say hey we want you to make this how does that process work <laughs> like it seems so difficult to, to for a business to come in and say yeah we want you to do this because the first thing that pops in my head is how do you value that how do you say you've got all these great ideas and great ways of thinking and then the business is going we need a make our product better or we need a consultancy how on earth do you manage that business side of things yeah that's a fantastic question and it's yeah it's not not easy but we just start by asking why and we ask a lot of questions it's really important for us to be a good design partner it's important for us to know why they're doing what they're doing what makes their company tick and uh, really become a well-integrated part of their business and get to know them before we start even thinking about how we're going to do it. We really have to figure out why we're doing it and what the outcome needs to be. And then we can kind of work backwards from there to figure out what are the steps we're going to take and how we're going to do it. It's interesting that we're talking about all of the moving parts of a design process because when you're a student, you just learn about making things, the design process, how it's supposed to work. But then when you're going into an industry, 
there's also like the marketing factors, the environmental factors, how to work with business partners and all that. A few of us took a, a strategic design paper in uni, which is to do with design and business and how to find the strategies to market that product. So a question that I'd want to ask you is, how did you learn about those processes, about those ideas, what you're supposed to do when it comes to marketing things? Did you learn that in school or did you kind of have to shuck yourself in the industry and find out for yourself? Like like other partners. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's, a, that's a really awesome question. And I think that that's something that is a big challenge coming out of design school, right, is having that, I guess, holistic knowledge and experience of, of how business works so you can understand how you know the design part of it fits into the, the whole thing. And so for me, it was like, I've always been quite entrepreneurial. I started my first business when I was at university, so I started to learn all about how it works. Uh, when I started Blender with um, my colleagues, we got a business advisor on pretty early and going through like growing Blender, we learned a lot about business as well. About six years ago, we had a startup that we created as a joint venture with a, a tech company and we launched on Kickstarter and we learned a lot there. It's just, I guess it's through a whole lot of learnings along the way by just being immersed in, in the industry. Yeah, so experience and always having a, an interest in business and how it works, I think is really important. What was your first business, if you don't mind me asking? We, <laughs> it was around like when laptops were becoming really popular and they weren't very ergonomic, right? People had <laughs> posture problems. And so we started a company that to solve that and we designed like a laptop stand that sort of lifts it up and stuff, a portable one that you put in your bag. And then we ended up actually just importing one that we found over in Europe and selling it. <laughs> we did quite a few deals, made a bit of money and um, that was... That was the first business. Mm, nice. Cool. <laughs> Going back to like the business side of things, like what do you look for when you're hiring designers? Like, do you tend to hire people straight up from uni or do you like require them to have like a lot of experience in like the actual industry first? It really depends on the role. We have a mixture of, you know, really experienced to junior mm -hmm. people here and it's important to have that balance in mm -hmm. the team. But when we're hiring people, we're, we're really looking for attitude and cultural fit and natural talent. The actual skills side of things can be taught, but yeah, that's, that's sort of our process. Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. Now, if I read this correctly, you've got over 160 clients at Blender in, in the past and numerous ongoing projects running at one time. We, as students, we're probably working on one thing for six weeks or so, seven weeks, and we still get to the end and we haven't done it before the deadline and we run out of time. <laughs> yeah. Do you have tips on time management for us? Having to manage so much yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always a bit of a juggle dealing with so many projects at one time yeah. and all the different clients and their personalities and their different needs. Mm -hmm. But in terms of time management, personally, I'm probably the worst person to ask. I'm not that great at it, but it's... Um, Planning is so important, right? Planning and project management. So always just upfront, setting that overall project plan and roadmap. And I guess checking in with yourself on that regularly because with, with design, particularly in the ideation phases, mm -hmm. it's easy to just go down a wormhole and go off track. You just have to be quite quite disciplined on and know that like I'm going to spend this many hours exploring concepts. Mm -hmm. And then I know that by this date, I need to narrow that down to one concept and just that's like a stage gate because once you shift from the concept phase into the development phase where you spend a lot of time on detail design, if you spend a lot of time detailing a concept that 
you're then going to go and change. It's really unproductive. And so it's just been quite disciplined in those those overall phases. So we, we run like a four-stage process for its discovery where we do as much learning as we can and defining of what we're making as we can as possible before we get too far into the concept phase. We don't want to be concepting things that aren't aligned with the requirements of what we need to do. And at the end of the concept phase, we want to make sure we have a pretty well-defined concept so that we don't waste time in the development and engineering phase where, where a, lot, like a lot of time can be used up. And then again, like before we go to production, we want to make sure that we've properly validated our design so that we don't get to production and have a whole lot of problems to deal with. So it's just that discipline of, of the process, I think. And how long yeah. do you think like designing something takes? Does it vary a lot or like do you get it done pretty much the same time for every project? Oh, it varies massively. Yeah. yeah, depending on like how big it is and stuff, yeah. Do you break the team down into you want to have every, everyone working on one thing and at a time, sort of have a team for this, a team for that type thing? Yeah, every project has a team put around it, so it's got like a project lead mm-hmm. and, um, and then people on the team, which occasionally, you know, we may rope someone in to that team later on, but generally it's just from the outset, this is the team, and then they see it all the way through. It's quite important. Yeah, on that, um, on that point about teams, what is, based on your experience, what's the good catalysts to make a productive team? Yeah, good project manager. <laughs> First and foremost, I find like, I don't know if it's a New Zealand thing or just my experience, but a lot of projects just fail to get have good project management when it comes to new product development. And so they take longer than you expect, possibly expected more problems. And I think good project management fundamentally the, the best thing. And then in terms of forming the team, I guess, yeah, it really depends on the project. Yeah, right. It's really got to think about like, what are the, what are the experts that we need on this? What's the capability? Good delegation. In terms of project management, would you say like the first thing I think of is, is building a skyscraper and there's like one dude on site and he's like, this needs to be done. You need to do that, do that, do that. Is that like a one person kind of role where it's one person's kind of got the brain on the people when they need to finish things by and all that? Yeah, I think that's important. Like you don't necessarily have to have one person making all the creative decisions. I think that, that's kind of not necessarily a good thing, but you do need one person who's ultimately responsible for making sure that the project is done sort of on time, on budget, and and to wrangle other third parties in the process because you just need someone that's, that's the project manager's job. You mentioned that you had a four-step process of ideation through to your final design. How do you sort of involve your client in, in those four steps? It varies between clients and their preferences. And so on one end of the scale, it could be just you meet with them at the beginning and then you meet with them at the end and show them here's what we've done versus um, other clients who want to be involved like in all the little bits of detail throughout the whole project. And I think as a consultancy, we have to we have to accommodate that. So we, we have clients that across that whole spectrum, for example, one I've been working with recently, we, we have a Slack channel and we're pretty much just on there every day like talking through little details and he's quite like a co-collaborator on the project. It's cool. You know, it can be annoying at times, but it's it's pretty cool. And then we have other clients who are like the opposite and you want, you almost like want more input from them. <laughs> so, yeah. Because you're like, well, you're yeah. doing the total opposite thing they want and then you yeah. see them at the end and they're like, oh. <laughs> it's always a bit of a juggle as well, especially in the early stages because if you if you put too many ideas in front of a client, that they can have, you can have a bit of like, a bit of overwhelming. Yeah. So you do have to be careful what, yeah, and just getting to know what they, how they work. And... Can you tell us some of your most favourite or challenging projects you've worked on? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
have to think about that one. I mean, looking around the room here where we are, you've got lots, all of, lots of cool stuff here. <laughs> Did you design like all of these products on your display shelf? Some pieces of them? Yeah. Not those. <laughs> <laughs> this, this product here, this is a candle making machine. Well, it was quite fun. And, and that was cool because we turned that project around in like six months from concept to production. Oh. And it was built on a, a platform of a, an existing product. We basically took like a, a milk frother and turned it into a candle maker, basically. Oh. Um, but that, that was quite quite good fun. Um, I really, really love the Micropod project. I mean, that's pretty close, close to heart um, because we were working as a partner with them and we had sort of free reign to explore like new ways of, of doing things, making a product that's quite different, environmentally friendly, something to, to grow microgreens in. So that was a lot of fun. And exploring new materials with the bamboo fiber molded trays. And, yeah. and do you find like the really challenging projects, like they end up being like some of your favorite ones to do just because you like learn so much from it or are you just kind of like never want to go through that again? <laughs> I think it's again, finding the right balance. It's important to have those projects that, challenge you and help you to learn um, but it's also if you have too many of those then it can be you know it can become overwhelming and it's good to have the old project that is I guess easy mm -hmm. to yeah, balance it out. Just out of the interest of moving semi past the aspect of design just out of curiosity what kind of like gets you going every day so like kind of getting you motivated getting inspired it might be something to do with design it might not be because maybe like as students we've kind of experienced that sort of mental block where we're real inspired, but then we come, come to a wall and we kind of just don't know what to do. We're like real unmotivated. How is there a way that you get over that? That might be to do with what you're working with or maybe what you're doing outside. Yeah. I just love the process of making things better or improving something. I'm really like, what gets me out of every day is the, the impact that, that we're having on, on our clients' businesses and on people's lives. So we're always thinking about when this product or solution goes to market, what's it actually going to do? And that's what we're always aiming for. Because design is essentially a service to society, isn't it? Because you're making something that will eventually make people's lives better, or it's supposed to make people's lives better. Yep. If it makes people's lives worse, then it's not really good design, you're not really doing the job. Yeah. I see on the wall over there you've got like your life cycle analysis. Would you say like that's a major part of every project, like just considering the life cycle and like how products get reused or however. Yeah, it's, it's an integral part of our process. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying necessarily every design firm does this, but we're very focused on creating products that are sustainable and that starts off with understanding the product's life cycle. So it's a real critical part of the process and us as designers can have a huge impact in the early stages of a project on the product's life cycle. We enjoy that. We have to do a lot of educating for mm -hmm. some of our clients, but it's certainly the response has been really good and the results are also sort of starting to show. So mm -hmm. cool. Has that something that you've always done since the beginning? Or? No, we were never taught to. Right. Because that's um, huge, like at university now. Yeah. Sustainability is just a massive buzzword. Um, uh, yeah. 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 Have you ever had a brief where the product is sort of intended to have like a planned obsolescence, you know, working with in mind that the next iPhone's going to come out the next year or... No, we haven't, we haven't been involved in a project where planned obsolescence was, was part of it. You know, we, we were always discussing like the, how long a product needs to last and things like that, which informs some of the engineering 
but not actual planned obsolescence. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't I don't really agree with it. Seems a bit scandalous, you know. <laughs> so it's sort of it's just a symptom of the linear economy and our manufacturing companies um, set up. If you made your money by selling more things, would you want your thing to last forever? Mm. <laughs> That's the problem, right? Yeah. Like it just it's just out of the interest of marketing. You're like making sure that you're always the one that's providing the best product and you're not creating the best you can and then waiting for your competitors to find that gap in the market, kind of just take that place from you. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're lucky nowadays. I'm not sure. When you're at university, so did they teach you sort of sustainability approach and design back then at Massey? Because we sort of have that. It's sort of ingrained in our briefs and it's good that they teach us to sort of factor in that life cycle of the, the product as well. Yeah. We weren't, you're testing my memory, but I don't recall, I mean, I don't really recall doing too much at university in terms of life cycle thinking and sustainable design. I think it's probably just like the world in general these past few years really starting to uh, take notice of the impact on the environment and things, and that's probably trickled down into education. I think it's a great, like, how you put the life cycle. I think it's a great responsibility that designers have, right? And it's awesome that you've recognized that the impact at the start. It's all well and good for a, a company to design something and then at the end go, oh, let's put a Band-Aid on it and try and fix it after the, the fact. So I think it's, it's awesome that you've got this, yeah, a lot. Thinking about all this stuff early on, because it's heaps easier, right, to think about how can we make this recyclable before we've even made it than it is to go, oh, how do we recycle this, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. The decisions you make at the beginning of a project have like so much more impact than the ones you make at the end. Um, have you ever it's too late by the time you've got there? Have you ever got to the end of a project and and gone like like had to make some major change? Do you know like you know what I mean? Get get to the end of a project and then and then I don't know the client doesn't like it or you realise the material's wrong and it's it's like oh no what do we what do you what do you do? I can't think of an example of that. I mean, I think if you've got that far down the project and, <laughs> and you have to change something that big you, you haven't really got your process right now. yeah well that's good to hear then that would be the right answer i guess yeah i mean i guess if you're, if you're making something that's quite simple simple and cheap to make you might just decide okay instead of doing heaps of user validation through the process it's easy for us just to make it and get it into a small part of the market and then learn from that so i guess in that context look maybe yeah but that's that's not really the end is it that's, done that on purpose <laughs> going from that do you find through looking at like because you're dealing with products all day and every day and all that do you find that you as yourself will come up with ideas and go wow that this is here's a market space that no one's actually occupying and how like is there any because i just imagine working with all this stuff every day be inspired to go into more areas and being entrepreneurial you'd be like oh that could be a thing how do you do you ever pursue those kinds of things yeah, I mean, there's lots of opportunities that come up. The hard thing is deciding which ones are worth getting involved with. So I guess the answer is is yes. We we do get involved in I guess venture partners and in, in some projects. But we've done that in the past, had some failures to learn from as well that make us a lot more cautious of which ones to get involved with. Because it's easy to just chase rainbows, eh? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is that to bring a product to market and create a successful business is incredibly difficult. And so you need to find you know, the right opportunities with the right people at the right time. Sounds really simple. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that. Yeah. Oh, there's heaps of cool stuff going on in New Zealand, lots of areas to get involved in. I love working with startups. 
you know, they're so dynamic, they're trying to change the world and just trying new things. But it's fraught with risk, right? So many startups don't even see the light of day. Yeah, so do you think you can put your finger on something about the New Zealand designer, like you would have worked with people from overseas potentially and they might have a different way of doing things? Is there something that's sort of like uniquely Kiwi to us, do you think? The DIY? (laughs) Oh, definitely, man. Like, Like I was saying earlier, Kiwi designers are quite broad in terms of being forced into roles in small businesses where we don't have big design teams. So as product designers or industrial designers, we do a lot from user research and conceptual design right through to, you know, production drawings and things. So that's pretty unique. But we're also quite good at doing things on the smell of an oily rag, just using what we've got around us. So when it comes to solving problems, we, we're quite good at doing them in a unique way and quite cost-effectively, just using our hands. Well, that's great. Great. Any last advice to students or people breaking out into the industry? We're at that stage where we're a little bit daunted. We're realising that we've got a year and a half left of our degree and then we're going to kind of be released Lost. out into yeah. the world. So. <laughs> I think one piece of advice would be to get out there and make contact with industry now. and It's never too early and, if possible, try and you know get some experience working in a manufacturing business or something like that. Mm-hmm. The other piece of advice is to stay true to, to yourself and what you enjoy and what are your natural strengths and try not to get pigeonholed in a role where you're not leveraging that mm-hmm. because there's so many facets to design that and everyone everyone has their own area that they love doing, whether that be you know concept sketching, ideation, whether it be ethnography or whether it be the engineering technical side of things. So try and stay true to who you are and have fun. Awesome. I think that's a really good advice to end on. Thank you, Oliver, so much for taking us around your studio, showing us the inner workings. Thank you for listening to the Designers Institute of New Zealand podcast. Keep an eye out for the next episode. We would love for you to share on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can tag the Designers Institute of New Zealand. If you're feeling really generous, you can give us ratings on iTunes. It really helps with getting the podcast out to new listeners.